Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and it's a return guest, a star of stage and screen, back from episode 85, History of Violence. Since then, you may have seen him on your screens on the wrong end of a Regency rumble in the first season of Bridgerton. Uh, he was making sure you'd got your wee red docket in Derry Girls. He's even been sporting some Wolverine-style facial hair in Billy the Kid. Uh, welcome back, Jamie Beamish. Ah, hi, Evan. Good to, good to hear from you again, man. And you. You've been very busy since we last spoke. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I was listening back to the episode and, you know, you talk a little bit about me being an actor and stuff. And, uh, yeah, things kind of changed a bit since we last talked. Uh, a couple of things came out and, yeah, life's a little bit different. But look, life's a little bit different anyway. We had a big global pandemic as well, so it's all a bit crazy, isn't it? It's all been crazy. And I will ask you about some of your screen roles and stage uh, when we get to guest projects at the end. Um particularly some of those performances I've just mentioned. But last time, as we say, we did History of Violence, um, mm. a, a dark and disturbing book that became a film. Um, tell us what you've picked this time for the book club, Jamie. So this one, uh, and I, not to be stereotypically Irish, but I will be, uh, I picked the, the Emerald Isle, Judge Dredd Emerald Isle by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, uh, and letters by Tom Frame, and colours, uh, I think, by Wendy Simpson, yeah. Now, in front of me, I've got the Titan collection from 2001, which collects Emerald Isle from Prog 727 to 732. We're in 1991. In my collection, there's also the two other stories, um, Almighty Dread with Ian Gibson doing the art and the Magic Mellow Out with Anthony Williams art, both by Garth Ennis again. Those ones from 1992. Uh, you've mentioned all the creators. I'll just mention that my Titan collection has got a Glenn Fabry cover, uh, editors Richard Burton and Alan McKenzie. You'll also find the stories, uh, or you'll find Emerald Isle in the Garth Ennis collection of Judge Dredd stories, which I've got on the Kindle. It's also in Case Files 15, which I think is what you're using at the moment, Jamie, because your, all your stuff's it's stored somewhere safe. That, that, that's right, yeah. I'm speaking to you from a hotel in Budapest at the moment, so I'm off on my travels, the nature of this kind of kind of work. But I do have the I, I do have the Titan collection myself, which is which is a lovely book. Uh, but like I said, that's in storage, so I got a digital version of Case Files 15, which is very very handy. And yeah, as you say, you're in uh, you're in exotic parts of the world. I think we can say you've just come out of rehearsal, so we're all grabbing you yeah, in yeah. your downtime. Um, excellent. <laughs> So tell us about Emerald Isle. First of all, why you picked it for the book club, and then we'll get into a little bit of the synopsis and uh, the setting. Great. Yeah, I suppose the reason it kind of came to me, uh, well, one bit might be obvious from me accent, you know, because uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty Irish myself. Uh, so there is that. And, and also as well, it's, it, it's, it's that story where I just, it's not, I started reading 2000 AD, uh, Prague 681, and this is, like you say, what was it, 727 um, and on. So <clears throat> it's within the first year of my reading it. And it was mad that, like, you know, within that year, there's Irish judges, you know. This is kind of a bit mind-blowing for me. So I remember when it happened, I was kind of going, seeing that cover, we'll probably talk about that, the first cover of the prog, you know, by Steve Dillon. It's a painted cover by Steve Dillon. I remember seeing that, and there's you know, Dread and Judge Joyce on it and Ireland in the background. And I was kind of going, oh, my God, like, uh, amazing. There's even, 
Irish judges as well. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that's always kind of loomed large in, in my memory of reading 2008 at that time. And just, you know, for anybody who hasn't gone back recently, fill us in on what Dredd is up to and why he's on the Emerald Isle for the story. Yeah, so because the story um, it it opens with the murder of the Emerald Isle ambassador to Mega City One, you know, and and Emer- Emerald Isle, if it's not kind of obvious, is the new location um, is a new location in the Dread Mythos at the time, and it's Ireland of the twenty second century. Yeah, and we're told in it in the story we're told that after the atomic wars, Ireland was subject to excessive radiation damage, but it was neutral in the atomic wars, and it had no direct nuclear hit. Uh, on the island of Ireland. But the country, it, it has its damage, but it recovers due to aid from Britsit. And because of that, then Britsit are given influence and they develop Ireland into a theme park called the Emerald Isle. And and that theme park is based on the stereotypes of, of, of Ireland through history, leprechauns, you know, cottages and potatoes, like it's a big thing. And the mega city in the Emerald Isle is Murphyville. And the ambassador uh, that's killed, he's found with a roast potato lodged in his forehead. And that's the work of a spud gun, yeah? And that's a weapon developed by the Emerald Isle militia, the judges. So they can shoot potatoes instead of bullets because actual bullets became too expensive for the Emerald Isle. And and the judges in Mega City, they work out that the assassin is actually from Mega City. He's a wanted uh, blitzer assassin called Bonnie Staples. And he's helping out a, an Irish rebel organization called the Sons of Aaron. And their aim is to force the Emerald Isle to get away from the whole theme park thing and, and, and all the stereotypes and return the country um, uh, to what it used to be before. And Dredd heads over to the Emerald Isle uh, to try and sort this out and, 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 and catch uh, this guy, Bonnie Staples, and, and help the Irish judges with that. But he finds the the Emerald Isle judges, they're very different to Mega City One, like in a huge way. And he, he teams up with the local uh the local judge, Judge Joyce, uh, to track down Staples and the Sons of Aaron. And look, hilarity ensues, you know, in your in, in your typical dread wading into a different surroundings and causing havoc. And I noted reading again this morning, there's a little bit at the start with Magruder where she mentions that Murphyville has not signed up to the Judicial Charter yet, which I'm assuming from my quick reading is a sort of uh, extradition treaty, but also a sort of standard of of judging, as it were. Because, um, as you rightly say, Jamie, the the difference between Mega City One judges and Emerald Isle judges is quite marked in this story. Yeah, it really is. They're they're much more laid back. Um... Again, it's you know, there's there's an Irish stereotype in itself. They're they're a lot more friendly, you know. And uh, God, when we talk about Ireland being the land of a uh, hundred thousand welcomes and that, uh, I think there's there's a bit of that plays into it. And they're much more lax, you know. They've got wives and kids, and they they go to the pub for their lunch and stuff like that. Like you know, something like when you think about Dread and his world, you know, it's completely different. And yeah, I wonder about that. It, it was never like the judicial charter and things like that, was it ever really looked into in, in, in a big way? Um, because it sounds like it's almost like a NATO pact or something like that, you know, where, like you say, standards of judging, is that going to be the way it go, goes? But um, And Murphyville hasn't hasn't signed up to that yet. So things are still a bit lax. I, I also wonder, because they do, I think, sign up to it eventually, and uh, we get another... Um, 
story later, we might talk about uh, The Innocence Abroad, where Judge Joyce comes to Mega City and they say that they've signed the judicial charter. But I, I don't know how much th- at that point the judges have changed or the way they work changes, you know. So we'll start. We'll start with Garth Ennis's writing. Uh, I note from his own introduction to the Titan volume, he, you know, he talks very much about being handed the keys to Dread by John Wagner, who was going to be taking a break to concentrate on other things. Uh, presumably, one of those turned out to be History of Violence as well. I should imagine. But mm, Garth yeah. Ennis, yeah, probably. Garth Ennis is picking up the Dread reins here. Um, Question for you, Jamie. Did you know when you were reading these stories that Garth was an Irish writer? Yeah, I did, because I was also reading, uh, I was also picking up bits of um, A Crisis as well. Right. And at the time, Troubled Souls had finished, but for a few Troubles more was 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 there, was on it. And you'd be reading interviews with him as well, because I used to get things like, if you remember, Speakeasy, you know, and, and, and Comics International. And so I, so I knew I knew he was from Belfast and... Um, and he was he was pretty young at the time writing them. God, was he like 18, 19, 20? Like really young. Mm. You know, he was a bit of a wonderkind. So <clears throat> I remember when I saw that he, he was taken over, I was going, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, it's an Irish guy writing Judge Dredd. Because at the time I wasn't really steeped. It was it was laterally. I went back and kind of bought all the issues. So I wasn't so steeped in Judge Dredd at the time as I, as I, as I became as such. So the idea of John Wagner leaving Dredd like it'd be like to it'd be apocalyptic to me now i think you know but um back then i was kind of go oh that's interesting now and there's an irish kind of voice coming on so and then pretty quickly i think it's his second story he he, he gets dread to ireland straight away it was really exciting like yeah and of course dread is a complex character he's not just necessarily the sort of roll up and shoot the bad guys and just drive off again. How do you think Garth handles dread in this uh, early work? Yeah, that, that, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we, we've just come from Necropolis, which, which you know, although it's a big, <clears throat> you know, uh, um, Dark Judges kind of epic and all the rest, but all the lead into it and uh, with the dead man, all that kind of stuff, like there's huge questions about the judge system. There's huge questions about dread himself and everything and it even goes into just before this uh, nightmares and um where dread says there's going to be a referendum on on the judges which is which is crazy so things were really changing in judge judge dread at the time and this story i think this is this is the kind of the wacky dread i suppose the, the 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 funny dread you know what i mean and like i say like he, he's he's the judge out of place like wading in to a different situation and 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 being the extreme you know um so i don't think this one particularly you know we don't see we don't see much of uh, the complex uh, dread that that has inner doubts or is or is is, is looking at the judicial system at all really i think it's more about the fun garth ennis is having by sending dread to ireland and seeing what happens you know and it's um in a way it's a fun setting. It's a dread sort of wacky future world uh, setting in Murphyville, which, as you say, is a sort of a theme park. It plays into mm. its um, Irishness, um, even the use of the spud gun and the fact that potatoes have been turned into weapons um, is part of the humour. I mean, 
there, oh, I, I should also mention as well there's, there's some <laughs> Judge Dredd, there's some singing as well. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that, 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 what, what, what a trope. Yeah, that, that, that's something we got off uh, Wagner and Grant, really, isn't it? You know, the singing um, soggies and, you know, to tunes of, of Irish ballads. You know, there's a bit of Dubliners in there and stuff. Yeah. But on, balanced with that is this sort of deeper, darker story about an Irish uh, resistance group, a sort of freedom fighter group who want to overthrow this sort of theme park approach and get back to a more traditional Irish nation. It's a tricky line to tread in this science fiction, slightly wacky story, isn't it? I, I think you're dead right, yeah. It, it, it's kind of fascinating looking back on it now, you know, uh, with hindsight. And, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but, like, that was, like, 1991. So, like were before the Good Friday Agreement or anything like that. So the troubles in Northern Ireland were still very prevalent at, at the time when, when Garth Ennis was writing that. And I think if if he gets anything right in this, it's the, um, it's the satire, yeah? And, and where you, you push satire to the limit. And this kind of really is because some people might... Some people might see it as kind of going, oh, God, you know what I mean? It's in, it's in such bad taste with what's going on. But I feel, and this is me, I'm not speaking for anyone else, but I feel like that's the point of satire is, is to, pre- to present something like that, you know, and, and, and show, you know, almost how ludicrous it is, like, you know what I mean, by pushing it to the nth degree. So the idea of, you know, an Irish, like, you know, it's so funny because on the back of that book, I, um, it's actually on the, um, it's, it's on Amazon. It says from the back of uh, the Titan thing, like the, the Sons of Aaron are called terrorists, you know? And But in it, in the story, one of them says, we're not terrorists, because he's called a terrorist by uh, the Megacity assassin. He says, we're not terrorists. And that's that's quite interesting. It's quite pointed, because they, the tr- in the Troubles, the IRA would say, that, you know, we're not terrorists, we're freedom fighters. There's, there's, there's a difference, yeah? And like I say, at that time, you know, the situation in Ireland, Northern Ireland wasn't great. And there, there's Garth Ennis, in, in a way, lampooning it. But that's the point of all good satire, really, isn't it? Like, you know, and him presenting things like the spud gun. My God, I, I think if it wasn't him, there, there might be might have been questions asked and looking back on it. But I look back on it now and I read it again just recently. I kind of go, God, I, I'm still as into it. Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of even underneath all that, the, the whole thing of they, they ran out of money. Uh, or the, uh, I mean, the bullets were too expensive, so they ended up using potatoes. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's ludicrous. And it's funny. But actually, and knowing Garth Ennis, the writer he is, and, you know, being so into war and military and stuff like that with his war stories. Like, in, in Ireland, there was a point in the Troubles back, you know, you're talking about the end of, of the 60s, around 69 into 70, where there was a possibility um, of, of Ireland going into... Ireland, the Republic of Ireland going into Northern Ireland, you know, when the trouble started kicking off. If that had happened, then the English army would have been involved and there would have been a conflict between the Irish army and the English army. And at the time, the Irish army um, would have, like their vehicles and weaponry, some of it had come from World War One. That's what they had. And so I always kind of look at, say, the spud gun, and I'm talking about you know, not uh, being able to afford the bullets. There's a bit of that to it. So it, it, it does actually ring true. That's not just a piss take. That's, I think, and that's, this is just me, I've never heard Gareth Ennis talk about it. 
but I, I, I see that and I kind of go, God, is that to do, you know, with the situation of the Irish military at, the, at that time? He would have known that. Things like that. And I kind of go, God, this is, you know, this is far more subversive than it seems, uh, you know, on, on the top level. And the idea of Judge Dredd anyway, pushing things to the limit, with, with, be it like the fatties and, 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 all, and, and all those kind of stories, was actually, it was making quite a point with using humour and the fact that it's set so far in the future uh, to make it. So I, I know some people might have issues with some of it, but I, I, I always think, God, you know, there's, 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 there's quite pointed and, and good satire in this. So that, that, that'd be my take on it, you know? It's very interesting. I mean, as you say, there are various parts of Judge Dredd's history or 2000AD's history, where we can look back and say those were unfortunate racial stereotypes. It's partly why I asked you about, you know, did you know Garth was Irish writing it? Because it does seem like he's probably the only person who could write this sort of story and get away with it and make, you know, fun of some of the Irish traits, but also write this quite serious story in a way about an Irish... um, what would well, as you say, they call themselves not a terrorist group. They call themselves a sort of uh, mm. resistance. Um, and- yeah, yeah, and 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 it's like, yeah, I, I guess you know, he he didn't go as far to say freedom fighters or what, but I, I think that's what he's hinting at, like you know. Yeah, and you know, and I I think you're right. I think you're right. He probably at that time was the only writer that could have gotten away with it because. You know, anyone else, you kind of go, hold on, like, who, like, who are you to talk about this and to talk about this in such a way? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that, obviously, now and, and, and uh, back then. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of it's really funny. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it really is. But like, there is that dark undercurrent because it's it's reflective of what was going on at the time. And it's not it's written in 91, like I say. So it's not like after the fact where we're kind of going, oh, we can look back and laugh a bit now. It was actually like, not not in the middle of it, but like, you know, thing, things weren't still weren't great, you know. Things didn't really start moving towards being being better. 93 really was when when, when things, um, at the Downing Street agreement, and then moving into the Good Friday agreement eventually five years later, that, that's when it really started happening. So... It's it's pretty ballsy, actually, but because it's Gareth Ennis, and I think because he was a young fella as well, going, okay, you know, this is Judge Dredd. I'm going to have a buzz with this. And he certainly does, I think, yeah. it's um, But, yeah, the undertones are there. We know, what he, we know what he's referring to, don't we? We do, yes. And, of course, you know, Ireland um, was then and still is a divided nation. Uh, in Judge Dredd's world, cities merge to become the mega cities of the future. And I know you've done some, you did a little bit of mapping of looking at what yeah. you know, the the depiction of Murphyville, as it were, the Emerald Isle in Dredd is compared with the counties of Ireland. Yeah, it's it, it, it's funny. I, I only did that this morning because I was kind of looking at, because there's a map in the second episode and I was looking going, okay, yeah, yeah, very good. You know, Mega City is, is, is a conurbation along the east coast of America, Mega City 2 being west coast and all the rest. And, and looking at Murphyville, I was kind of fascinated to see which counties joined up. And like, because it, it, it starts on the east coast around Dublin and comes down through Kildare and Wicklow, mostly Carlow, south of Kilkenny, all of Wexford, 
and all of Waterford, which is where I'm from. So I thought that was class. Like, you know, I kind of got all oh, grand. I'm in the mega city, like, you know, <laughs> and you got South Tipperary and, and, and West Limerick and, and, uh, no, sorry, East Limerick and, and East Cork as well. I, I tell you, there's some very different counties in there. there there'd be a lot of, there'd be a lot of rivalry going on in the one city <laughs> if, if, if that ever did happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, my daughter was in Cork last year for the film festival and uh, oh, right. she, said she, she said she had Irish relatives and they asked her where they were from and she said Dublin and they said, oh no, that doesn't count. You know? No, not a t- especially not in Cork. Oh my God, you'd never get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's just mention the other sort of major character, which is, of course, Judge Sergeant Charlie Joyce, created by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. He's a fun character in this story and in future stories, isn't he? Ah, yeah. I, like, that That was great, like, to see, again, an Irish character. Like, a lot of the reason getting into um, 2008 was actually through Slane, say, you know, because based on Irish myths and legends. And then to see this guy in uh, in Judge Dredd was, was kind of brilliant. And it's it's his temperament is kind of a brilliant file to Dredd, isn't it? Because he's kind of so laid back. And there's a, there's a brilliant moment in, in episode three and he, he's kind of saying, oh, will we go in this bar and see if anyone said anything? And Dredd going, yeah, you said that about the last three bars. So they're obviously on a pub crawl and Dredd's been dragged into it. And I kind of go, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And it, and, 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 and it's great. And um, and he's kind of amazed. Dredd goes in and, you know, busts heads. And Charlie's kind of there going, oh, hold on, like, chill out. And that... Um, and I know I love that relationship. It, it, I think it works really, really well in this, you know. And it's a, it's a brilliant design. I think the judge, uh, the Irish judges' uniforms are super designed by Steve Dillon. It's 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 gorgeous, like you know. And uh, yeah, and he, and he, he he was around for a couple of stories, and um, and then we did see him because kind of Gareth Ellis obviously moved on. And I think it's a pity. I would love to see like his own series almost, you know, but that, of course, that's me being biased, I suppose, being Irish, but um, I always found him interesting and, you know, seeing that real different kind of, um, what would you say, lawmaking than in Mega City One, like, what's the deal in Ireland? Like, yeah, and he was a, yeah, a good old file for this. It was really good. I've been reading Michael Mulcher's book about... uh how Judge Dredd sort of predicts or reflects policing in the last 45 years yeah. or more here in the UK. And, yeah, the, the the sort of approach to a different type of policing on the streets of Murphyville, uh, you get the impression that Joyce and his colleagues are very much sort of, uh, they take a more gentle, hands-off approach to policing. Um, and, yeah, there's a certain sort of odd couple um, buddy relationship that develops between Dread and Joyce about the way they do things, yeah, which is great fun. Because um, it, it's funny in, in Ireland, the police force is called the Gardaí, you know, um, the Garda yeah. Shikana, and uh, the Guardian, you know, and and the very basic kind of tra- it's not exact translation, but a very basic tra- translation would be guardians, you know, and seeing themselves as guardians of the community and 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 and, and, and things like that. And I think that's reflective in in the Emerald Isle, you know, um, where they're part of the community while the complete opposite is in mega city one where they're, they're you know the oppressors of community almost like you know what i mean that's the that it's, it's, it's a real different kind of dynamic yeah fascinating stuff um 
And of course, I'd forgotten that Joyce turns up in Judgment Day by Garth. And I think he is the one who gets pushed to one side so that Alpha can be on the team. That, that, that's, that's right. He, sa- I, I, he saves Joyce because I, I wonder, did Gareth have other plans for him or was there something in the back of his head to kind of go, oh, we'll, we'll, you know, because otherwise he, he might have been on the mission and not survived. But, um, but yeah, he, like Alpha is the one uh, kind of saves him really, you know. And there's that bit where, where, where when they win, when um, they defeat Sabbath, and Joyce is kind of screaming one nil, one nil, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because Ireland was football mad at the time. Let me tell you, you know. Absolutely yes. Uh, when was the was it the World Cup that uh, England didn't qualify for, but Ireland did? Um, yeah. So I mean, ninety ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was World Cup ninety four. Yeah. So it was USA ninety four. Uh, and also there was Italian 90 had, had happened, um, which Ireland did all right. You know, it was the time of Jack Charlton um, being the uh, the Republic of Ireland manager. And there was just like like brilliant, you know, kind of great feeling around Ireland. We were never going to win, you know, but it was we, we were everyone's, you know, kind of loved underdog and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. OK, well, let's, let's turn from the writing for a moment and the, the sort of the strangeness of the satire of the setting. Let's turn to Steve Dillon's artwork. Um, probably, I suppose, Steve best known for the Cry of the Werewolf story, but he's also on Block Mania. Uh, what do you make of his artwork here on Emerald Isle? That's pretty stunning, isn't it? Like, um, I, I, I love Steve Dillon anyway. I, uh, he, he was an amazing artist, amazing. And actually, you know, the right guy probably draw because he lived in, in, in Ireland for, for a while himself, you know? Um, I'm not sure if there was like I'm trying to think who the Irish artists were around this time and the only one that really comes it, two, two of them come into mind would be Will Simpson and Dermot Power but obviously um, Garth and Steve seemed to have a relationship uh, themselves a working relationship you know and they went on to do amazing things obviously but his clean line here is uh, it, it's class isn't it Um you know he's up there with the greats, with with, with Balland, with Lackman, with, with with all of those. And and I talk about it a bit, uh, and I've heard um, I've heard artists talk about it as well. Is is the acting in it is always really good, yeah. And then this is me. Okay, there's another cliche from me, but like because I'm an actor myself, is it, it, seeing you know um, emotion, reaction, all different things in the character's face, but in a still image. And I, you know, you read about so, some artists who will have a mirror beside their artboard or computer now, whatever they use, like for expressions and different things, you know. And I always found with Steve Dillon, the acting the acting was really good. And that's why when we get the preacher later on, there's there's issues where it's just people talking to each other and it works. And a lot of that is to do great dialogue, obviously, but also because he can do that. He can do emotions. He can do, you know, kind of we're interested in what the characters are doing, even when they're doing nothing, which is great. But he's also a brilliant, brilliant action artist as well. Jesus, there's some there's some stuff in this that 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 that's class, you know, and you can feel dread and Joyce when they're, they're, they're racing through Murphyville on, on, on the bikes and stuff. It's, it's, it, it's really brilliant. He can just do it, you know. It's, he, he was just a, that, that brilliant, yeah, just a terrific comic artist, you know, be a terrific storyteller and everything, and um, a great loss. 
But uh, yeah. this is this is peak Dylan, I think. You know, it's it's interesting. Seeing the coloured is interesting, isn't it? I'd love to see the the original uh, black and white um, lines of this, but. Wendy Simpson's colors don't don't swamp it too much, you know. There was at the time everything was going into color, you know, um, it, it, at that point in the nineties, and Dread certainly was in color. Um, but she's she's mostly sympathetic to to Steve Dillon's line, which which is good. It wasn't getting too swamped or too muddy. There's there's bits where it gets a bit dark, but no, nah, like it's it, 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 it it's a masterclass by Steve Dillon. I think it's just it's just done. Yeah, I mean, some comics in the 90s did get a little bit dark and muddy in places. Um, but yeah, famously, of course, Garth and Steve met in 89 and spent the night drinking and putting the world to rights and planning comics together. Um, I, I know they worked on Hellblazer in 91 as well as Dread. And of course, as you've mentioned, Preacher would go on to be their sort of, um, I guess their, their sort of magnum opus between them. They're sort of one thing that they're really yeah, re- best known for. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And even you know, Garth and and Steve Dillon, of course, like like there's there's elements, there's Irish elements to that Hellblazer run as well. And um, doesn't he? I don't know that Hellblazer run now as well. Um, but he goes out with a girl from Northern Ireland, I think. And of course, then Cassidy is an Irish vampire in um, in Preacher. So we get a lot of Irish history in that as well. So he's kind of he he he's bringing all that. They're bringing all that with with them as well. And they were a brilliant pair, and weren't they? They, they were, it was there's some super stuff, you know. Absolutely. And I was just thinking, uh, I was listening to our previous episode together, Jamie, because one of the first mm. things you encountered in the pages of the prog was that um, Alan Moore ABC Warriors story, Red Planet Blues, done by Steve Dillon. That's right. Um, and what yeah, a great yeah story. in the annual. That's right. Yeah. And of yeah. course, that's just been reprinted in in the best of, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty seminal story. It's a funny it's a funny one that one, isn't it? Because like, it's by two creators that aren't necessarily won't be well known for the actual like um, story, as in like the ABC Warriors, because that's Pat Mills' baby. But it's the kind of story just because it's the ABC Warriors, but it actually it's just a brilliant story, and I think talking about the acting and emotion, that's quite an emotional story as well. And um, it's funny when you see Hammerstein sitting on, you know, by the grave, sitting there, you know, you can read the sorrow in, in, in a robot's still face. I think, you know, I don't know, it's some kind of magic he was able to draw really. And that's, that's a stunning story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, pick up uh, for anybody listening in, pick up the best of 2008. I think it's volume two that's out. Um, which has got Red Planet Blues by Alan Moore, Steve Dillon, beautiful colours by John Higgins on that. Um, mm. And it's just a wonderful little story. And as you say, I think the dialogue is saying, Hammerstein is saying that robots aren't affected by emotions, and yet you see him sitting there. And as you say, it's a kind of magic that Steve Dillon has done to tell us that Hammerstein is suffering from emotions at that moment. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, wonderful. So I'll just quickly mention that there's a couple of other stories in the Titan trade um, which don't stick with the same setting. They're not Emerald Isle stories, sadly. They're two other Dread stories that Garth did, which I think they've put in here to sort of fill out the pages. Um, There's probably a more interesting story you mentioned, Innocence Abroad, which brings Joyce to Mega City One, which is, I think it must be about 
1992. It's Prague 804 that one started in. Do you do you remember that story as well? Because you mentioned it earlier, Jamie. I do very well. Yeah, I do, I, very well. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, it, like it's it's the reverse. Judge Joyce comes over to Mega City One, uh, coming after a couple of Irish ne'er do wells uh, in Mega City One, and so he's the fish out of water this time. It's Judge Joyce, and he kind of can't. He's, he's not really able for Mega City One, and it's 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 a nice story. It's I I it's not as I don't think it's as good as um, as Emerald Isle. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, actually, because it's a very early Greg Staples uh, drew that. And it's quite cartoony style. And he, he, he wasn't as developed as storyteller, I don't think, as he, he became. Because Goddess stuff now is, is absolutely stunning, like, you know. But at the time, it, it was very early on for him. And, uh, and yeah, and it, it's a fun story. It's a bit of crack. But the funny thing is, I, there's a bit of me kind of going, it could have been anyone like come over and and go to mega city one there's not it's it, it's it doesn't feel as authentically uh irish or satirically irish as, as emerald isle but it was yeah it, it was fun for what it was there's there's actually but there is um i don't know if you remember this and i dug it out when i knew i was going to do this uh, in the judge dread yearbook 92 there's actually a judge joy solo story called uh, when irish pies are smiling do you remember that <laughs> i don't know I'd yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I have to go so, back to Conrad's yeah. spinner episode for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll talk about it, and it's like, um, uh, and it's it's a, just a little one-off story with Judge Joyce. No Judge Dreading it, no Dreading it at all. And it was a nice little slice of life, and it's in black and white. Funny enough, which is really nice too, because um, you get to see that gorgeous line work. It's Steve Dillon and Gareth Ennis again, and it's about Judge Joyce. He, he kind of calls into control to say. I'm, I'm going for me di- I'm, I'm, you know, uh, logging off for lunch now. And he goes into a pub to have his lunch. And when he's eating his pie for his lunch, there's 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 an eyeball in it. And he goes, what's this about? And then it goes into, there's this whole kind of story of him trying to uh, deduce why suddenly there's eyes and fingers and teeth in, in, in all these pies. And he finds out it's, it's a prank by a lot of students from Trinity. And, <laughs> and that was kind of, it was, it's a lovely little story. It's, 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 you know, kind of, again, it's a bit wacky. And I always kind of, I read it again and I thought, Jesus, Jesus, it would have been lovely to see more of that, you know, more of uh, that kind of thing in, in the Emerald Isle. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, that, that's all we kind of, for Judge Charlie Joyce, it was Emerald Isle, um, Judgment Day, that one off in the annual, uh, in the yearbook, and then Innocence Abroad. And that was, that was kind of it for him, you know. If it's black and white Steve Dillon art, I'm going to have to dig that yearbook out and uh, check that story again. Oh, it's um, worth it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, Steve Dillon, um, I, like you say, I'd love to see these Emerald Isle pages in black and white and his rugged jaw. He, I always thought Steve Dillon did the best jaw and lip for uh, for Judge Dredd, you know. <laughs> or, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's it's stunning, isn't it? And he had a sneer. He has the sneer on him that's just kind of oh, brilliant. <laughs> and I'll just mention that Joyce's son is now a mega city judge in the Michael Carroll stories. I don't think he's turned up recently, but I know he's been... He came over and enlisted as a megacity judge as part of their um, their recruitment process, I think. Uh, and he's a fun character as well. That's right, yeah. He came over to Mega City 1 after um, Chaos Day, Day of Chaos, when, you know, they needed to boost the ranks and, and over he came. And, I, like, Mike Carroll being Irish himself, you know, that, that that's kind of a... It feels like a bit of a no-brainer. Michael Carroll seems to have moved away a bit from the wackiness of Garth Ennis's Emerald Isle. 
Um, I read an interview with Michael kind of he's saying kind of you know he liked Emerald Isle but had, had maybe some issues with the the stereotypes and stuff. And I suppose from my point of view, I, I always thought the stereotypes was the point of it. You know what I mean? The kind of satire. But um, so um, Finton Joyce is the son, if I'm right, if I remember That's right. Him, yes. And yeah, uh, great yeah, yeah, and uh, Finton. But there's a great you know, Finton was the salmon of knowledge that um, Fionn McCool. Uh, got his got his his supernatural knowledge from in Irish mythology, so it's a, it's a, it's a well known Irish name, you know, and um and 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 yeah, and Dread ends up going back to Emerald Isle, but it's a, it's a very different Emerald Isle to to what's here. Interestingly, like you know, it's um and I think Michael, it looked like he was building up something about relations between Brexit and and Ireland kind of starting to fall apart again, but it it hasn't materialized as uh, as yet, like you know. Yeah, Michael hasn't been, I mean, he's, I, I know he's busy working on Proteus Vex, I guess. Hasn't been back to the pages of Judgment mm. for a while, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think Proteus Vex is great. It's, 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 it's a really good strip, you know what I mean? So kind of, yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's knocking it out of the park on that one, you know? So Emerald Isle by Garth Ennis, by Steve Dillon, with colours by Wendy Simpson, letters by Tom Frey. Uh, it's a great story. It introduced yeah. us to the character of Joyce, uh, a nod, of course, to, a, to probably the most famous Irish writer, uh, uh, certainly of the 20th century, I'm guessing. Um, it's great. To- oh, uh, completely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, it is, it, yeah, like I say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of it and kind of I would have I would have loved to see to see a bit more. But, you know, what we have is is, is good fun anyway. So we, we take that. So we're coming towards the Grail page game, Jamie. Um, but we'll mention, yeah. of course, that since the sad passing of Steve Dillon, his family, I think, have been involved in the Steve Dillon exhibition, which has been on a sort of tour for the last year or so. And I believe, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying it's going to be at Lawless in Bristol in May, I think, Jamie. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going, that's going to be the exhibition there. And that, that's really exciting. Um because I, I saw it myself in London. You saw it as well, did, did you? I saw it at the panel uh, panel gallery in Northampton. You saw it in London. Um, yeah, I was that's there right, with yeah. Conrad, no less, um, looking ah, cool. at it. And I think, let's say that one of the pages on display in the exhibition when you and I saw it might be a Grail page. Is that right? Oh, straight away. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it in the flesh. I was, I, I was going weak at the knees. You know, it's gone. Oh, look at this. Um, and it and it is it is that cover to um, seventy seven. It's it's uh, Dread and Joyce, and Joyce is the point of Guinness, and they're in front of you know um, a map of Ireland, you know an outline of Ireland. And I remember picking that up in in in, in the newsagents back in ninety one, and I just went, oh my god, like you know, and and to actually see it because you you know you, I love listening about the grail pages and stuff and it's not very often you you, you get to see them like you know in, in the flesh and there it was up framed in in the exhibition and oh what a treat you know it was, it, it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant piece of work the the funny thing is I actually I I, I contacted him I, I dropped him a message to see if it was for sale just for shits and giggles and uh, they said no it's not for sale so I said okay no no I understand completely understand but who knows someday uh, someday it will be yours um, no I suppose oh, I'm thinking of two famous Steve Dillon Judge Dread covers the Cry of the Werewolf one. And then Emerald yeah. Isle is the other one that comes to my mind. And like yourself, I've seen it up close and personal. It is a glorious piece of work. 
the back-to-back judges, uh, yeah. Joyce with a pint on, uh, and as you say, the sort of like Emerald Isle, Dread meets the Stout fellas. I love that. Um, it is a wonderful piece of work. <laughs> it certainly it becomes your grail page now in the art gallery, the virtual art gallery, Jamie. Um, oh, lovely. Thank you. And hopefully we'll get to see it again at Lawless. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. Are you planning to be there this year? I am. I have my ticket bought. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, the, it's the only con I go to. I, I enjoy it very much every year, yeah. Great stuff. Um, you've got a small collection, I should say, or maybe more than a small collection of original art, haven't you? You managed to buy a few pages from time to time. I, I do, yeah. It's it's become... I'm trying, I'm trying to not make it an obsession. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, yes. I'm sure you understand yourself because you go to these, you go to these conventions and you see some of this art and it's absolutely amazing, really, isn't it? And I, I kind of, and maybe it's you know from listening to to this podcast, but I like in my head I have Grail pages, you know, and I, I'm very lucky to have um, a complete Judge Dread episode, a complete story, actually six pages. Cam Kennedy, uh, the Finger of Suspicion, if you remember that one, oh right, which is like yes. one of the most yeah one of the one of the most perfect one off. You know, Judge Dredd uh, comedy um, stories, six page are stunning. I have all six pages of that. And I have um, I have two pages in Necropolis, which, oh God, I couldn't believe I got. I have the page where Magruder, where, where Dredd, you know, um, uh, it's, it's that one. Um, I'll give you three guesses who I am. Robin Stilskin, no, oh. Chief Judge, uh, former Chief Judge Magruder. So that one. And I have another one which has a full. Um, there's some sisters of uh, death in it, but also it's a really big image of Judge Dredd with the uh, you know scarred face, the dead man face, but he has the helmet on, and like you're looking at like Carlos's color work, it's just unbelievable. And um, one I got recently, and I paid a few quid for it, like let's put it that way, but I just I was so worth it when I got it. Um, was Carlos's very last cover. Um, uh, for the prog before he passed away, sadly, and it's a strontium dog, and it's it's Johnny Alpha uh, pointing um, the, the blaster kind of, and, and with the, with the um, strontium dog badge behind him in the background, and it's computer colored on the prog. I can't. I'm sorry, no, I can't remember exactly which prog it's from, but it's computer colored. But I, I have, you know, the the original ink of it that, that he would have then scanned and computer colored. And it's it's absolutely stunning. It's it's almost like it's, it, it looks like Mobius, you know, and you can really see an influence of like Mobius and, and that on it. And I remember when I got it, kind of, you know, my breath was taken away when you see it in real life. And uh, that's a real pride of you know, play the collection and, and and stuff, and I've a few other bits and pieces. But I tell you, man, it's very hard, you know, to stop myself sometimes buying stuff because <laughs> like there's so much good stuff out there, and like Grail Page, you know, <clears throat> I I always think to myself, some big huge movie, and I I give Steve Dillon's family an offer they can't refuse, you know, and I I try and get that that cover off them. Oh God, someday, <laughs> and you've got the cover from uh, the first prog. Uh, for Emerald Isle as your, as your grail page. Were there any internal yeah. pages that you wanted to take at all, Jamie? So, yeah, there's there's one, if you won't mind. Um, and what it is, it's... Um, it's I, I, I'm kind of looking at it there now, and I'll, I'll bring it up so I get it exactly right. So it's um, after... It's in the middle of the, the of the story, 
and it's dread the final panel if i describe it then you'll know what it is it's just smashing through the window on the lawmaster on the bike and he's saying heads up scum you know that's, uh, that's letter i just think it's a bit of a perfect page of, of, of like action storytelling you know the, there's loads of panels and you know at, 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 at the first panel is coming through the door up the stairs seeing what level he's on heading for the window and you even have like a couple of the emerald isle judges there as well and i kind of go yeah that, that's a page that's got everything so i i'd love that in 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 the portfolio as well you know uh, excellent well we'll give you that page as well and i'll post them as ever on all the socials uh when this episode comes yeah. out in april that's the last page of part four of Emerald Isle. Uh, Dread actually pressing, yeah. pressing the turbo boost button on his lawmaster. Turbo boost, yeah. So it's funny, like where, um, like pressing the turbo boost, it, like it, it's so obvious. But you know, like even now, God, you know, I'm forty, what, forty six now. But like as as a teenager looking at that, it's just. I was going, yeah, of course he'd have a turbo boost, you know what I mean? And it's uh, it, it's it's brilliant, you know. They knew what they were doing, didn't they? God. Yeah. I'm going to turn you forward to the first page of Emerald Isle Part 6, just because, I I mean, I knew what you were going to pick, the cover. Um, So I wanted a page with Dread and Joyce on it. Um, It's just them riding in through uh, Murphyville into action. Uh, It's got Dread's chin and sneer. Um, And, of course, Dread also uh, rides over the remains of St. Stephen's Green. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I remember... I remember laughing out loud when I saw that the remains of Stevens Green, which is just a shrub, and he kind of go. But like, it's so funny because like he's so clever. I think Garth Ennis because little things like that. We think Stevens Green in Ireland is kind of huge. Our Phoenix Park is huge, but Stevens Green in Dublin, like you know. And then you go to Regent's Park or Hyde Park in London, and you kind of go, "Oh God, you know." Um, we, we we things are on a, a, just a different scale. So actually, Stephen's green being reduced to a shrub makes a load of sense, and then dread running over it. Oh, you know, it's it's just glorious, isn't it? Fantastic stuff. Um, so I'll post all these Grail pages when uh, the episode comes out. We will go to Lawless in May and get to see the cover yet again. Hopefully, uh, depending on what you know, as you say, if you get the big movie part, you might be able to make them an offer. No, <laughs> can't imagine. <laughs> I'll also say uh, the Emerald Isle is available in Case Files 15. It's also available in the, in the Garth Ennis Judge Dread collection on your Kindle. I've just opened the Kindle and I've noticed right at the end, the last story in the collection is, in fact, Irish when Irish pies are smiling. That black and white. Oh, Stephen silver. There story. you go. Yeah. Judge Joyce in when Irish pies are smiling. So that's something for me to look forward to later Ooh. on as well. And as you say, it's got some typical black and white Steve Dillon in there, hasn't it? The faces, the acting. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Jamie. That was a lot of fun. Emerald Isle, as you say, it's it's an interesting one uh, because of the, it's a take on Irishness from uh, Garth Ennis himself. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, like, like I say... I, I, I again I, I know people who kind of go, Oh, I'm not sure, but I I it's something that I I always kinda of went, I get the satire. I think I get get what he's doing, you know. And if you take it seriously, I, I think you're kind of on a hiding to nothing, you know what I mean? Where actually the point is he's pointing up, you know, things that are that, you know, bad things and, you know, kind of awful situations, they should be satirized. And I think that's the point of satire. And if anything, you know, 
you look at some art and, and, and comedy and different things and, and, and you need to be able to laugh at yourself. And I think I, I like to think Irish people can do that well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And I'm, I'm going to, although Steve Dillon was English, I'm going to sort of adopt him as an honorary Irishman. I'm going to sort of think. And I tell you, St- Steve Dillon drank, drank more points of Guinness than we've had hot dinners by. Like, yes. You know what I mean? So I think, I think, I think it was in his blood as well. Uh, the one time I, I met him was at the first ever Dreadcon. He's a lovely man, um, and he, yeah, point, point of Guinness in hand, and asking me where where I was from, and he was telling me that he had lived in Ireland for a bit as well, like you know. So I think no, no, no. I, I like he's he, he's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's an adopted Paddy in a big way, like yeah. I, I mean, I, you mentioned artists having a picture or a mirror to look into. I often wonder if that if the cover was Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon back to back with a pint of Guinness, um, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> very good talking about well i won't say too much about laughing at yourself but if we turn to your own career because you've been very busy since we last recorded jamie the first season of bridgerton you were sort of you were nasty nigel you were the bad guy who got a few thumps <laughs> i think yeah 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 i got yeah i got a few hidings all right <laughs> i had the kind of face that people wanted to hit i think that's the that's the thing so yeah god um bridgerton it's funny because i was looking i was checking when we recorded that and it would have been uh, so in November 2018 and I got the offer for Bridgerton then uh, around February or March 2019. So it was only a few months later and uh, God, I, we, I, I remember getting it and I never expected it to blow up like it did. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, you know, it was a real kind of, oh, wow. You just don't expect it really. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. But, uh, but good fun. Um, yeah. I spent, when it came out, I spent I spent the first three months of 2021 as the most hated person on the internet. You know, <laughs> um, I was literally being roasted alive on Twitter every day, um, which is great fun to be honest. You know, I, I don't take any of it personally because I like to think it's um, the character that people don't like. And Nigel was, you know, a slimy character, and and and, and that for people who watch Bridget and they, they'll know. And uh, and I, but I was called every name under the sun. It was it was it was kind of kind of astonishing, you know. I, I'd never I've never uh, been in anything that that had that kind of reaction before. It, 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 it was kind of amazing to watch and and and, and be part of and stuff. It was it, it, it was class. Yeah, yeah, it was mental. And I missed Nasty Nigel in season two. I thought they should have brought him back. Uh, so, so, so did my accountant. I tell you, my, my <laughs> bank account missed him as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? He's in. He's in the later books. Um, so he may come back or may not. At the moment, and this is not a spoiler or anything like that. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not in season three either. So they've just finished. They've just wrapped uh, shooting that as well. But um, it's it's look. It was a great show to work on. They're they're, they're brilliant people on it. Like you know, brilliant actors. God, what a treat! You, you get some jobs uh, and they're you know tough, and you get some jobs and they're a dream. And and, and that was one of them. Like you know, and I've, I've been very lucky to be honest. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, another show that was an absolute treat, and you mentioned earlier the Good Friday Agreement, a show set mm. in Derry, set around the trouble, set about the time period leading up to and including the Good Friday Agreement. Derry Girls was just, well, it was it was a little wonder of a show, and uh, you were hilarious in it, Jamie. Oh, thanks very much, Evan. That's really good to say. Um, 
that's the one that's gonna like that's gonna stick, you know, really, isn't it? I and Bridgerton, I, I I adore, and and it's amazing to be part of, and it's huge, and it's huge around the world. But I think I think Derry Girls will last the test of time because, like, there's so much heart in that show, isn't there? And it, and it's funny, and I talk about you know people being able to laugh uh, at themselves. And I think if anything, like Derry Girls really shows that. Lisa McGee, who wrote Derry Girls, is a genius, is a complete and utter genius. And she's the loveliest person as well. But she, you know, she was talking about it and she said she'd always watch films and TV programs about the troubles in Northern Ireland. And they were all quite dour and they're all quite serious. And she says she remembers because she was a teenager at the time. She remembers everyone, like, you know, there was terrible things going on, but people also laughed. You know, people also, there was fun. People made jokes and all that. And Derry Girls was her kind of thing to kind of show that, that life still went on, that, like, stupid, mad things happened. And, you know, and, and uh, God, she just nailed it, didn't she? And I suppose, like, that that relates back to talking about the Emerald Isle, where there's, a, there's you know, there's a serious undercurrent to what Garth Ennis was doing, but presented in a satirical way, in, a, in, in, in an enjoyable way. And I think that's important, you know, and I, I think that's why, I don't know, man, like, you know, how do you quantify these things? Um, I was in Lisa McGee's first uh, sitcom in on Channel 4 called London Irish, and the scripts, I remember when we got them, were brilliant, but it lasted one series. It, it didn't really hit at all. And then we got the scripts for Derry Girls, and we thought, okay, here we go again. They're brilliant, but, like, will will, will it will it hit? Will, will, will people be into it? Oh, my God, and people were. and. It, 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 but and not just like Ireland and England, but like worldwide. I I, I was in Lisbon a, a few weeks ago, just on a little holiday for a few days, and I got recognised in Lisbon. And the two people who recognised me were American. And I kind of go, no, for Derry Girls, that's that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So fair play. The great thing is, I think about it as well, is that it's how would you say it's like education through uh, entertainment, yeah, because. We're taught about what happened in Northern Ireland uh, in school in Ireland, in the South. Um, it's not such a thing, say, in England or around the world. You know, you'd know oh, Ireland, you know, there, there was troubles there and, and whatever. But like it's not on it's not, it's not really part of your curriculum or anything like that. But then you suddenly have this. It's a comedy and people enjoy it. But there's, it's. It's, it's really teaching people what it was like back then, what was going on. And I think that last episode is completely stunning, the way it's put together, to show the hope of that nation, of, of, of Northern Ireland, of a people, to go in and vote for something and vote for peace. And it's fragile. It's a fragile peace. And I, I don't want to be getting political here. This is, this is, this is a fun podcast. But, you know, the, the great thing about... 2000 AD, I think, is that, you know, from its future setting, it can comment on, you know, current uh, current matters. And certainly, like Derry Girls kind of does that from uh, setting in the, the past and letting people see, you know, the reality of it. And it doesn't have to be like the gory reality of it. It's just the, the lived reality of it. And like I say, that, that last episode about the Good Friday Agreement and seeing people going in voting for it, I, I, was, I, was, I was quite emotional watching it, you know. And I'd look, I'm biased, I'm, I'm part of the show. But I just thought, Jesus, you've nailed it, lads, you really have. And to show as well, with everything that's going on with Brexit and with, with, with things like that, how, you know, this matters. It can't be just cast aside because of, you know, politicking or whatever. 
it's a, it's, 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 it's a very, very real and very important thing. And not only that, then it's, it, it's full of brilliant gags. I think, you know, it's kind of, I don't know what the alchemy she has, but she, she, I, she nailed it, I think, you know. It's tremendous. I mean, as you say, it's an incredibly funny show, but it's an incredibly emotional show with a heart. Uh, that last episode is one of the sort of great moments of television of the 21st. Uh, what are we in there? 20, not be 21st century? Yeah. Um, it's 21st it's century. One, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we talk, I know I talked to you, I sort of, sort of gushed to you about it at Lawless last year. Hmm. Um, and as you say, that last episode with the Good Friday Agreement at a time when clowns in Westminster, if I can say that, hmm. were messing with it. And you just watched that episode and you realised the importance of it all. But yeah, what a beautiful show to be involved in, Jamie. I mean, and you were such a... Yeah, you, I just loved Kieran whenever he turned up. I wanted more Kieran. Oh, good. Thanks very much. I mean, look, like I say, it's a mad old job. It's a mad old life. But things like that come in, and you pinch yourself. And like we, we, like I say, we never, we never knew it would be like that. And people now talk about Derry Girls in the same breath as Father Ted. I mean, oh my God! Like that's, yeah. you know, like that, that, that. It, it, it's amazing, like that. And there's another example of, you know, when you can laugh at yourself. And yeah. but but do it with integrity and do it. You know, pe- people are laughing with you, not at you. It's a different. It's a different thing, and 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 it's the really the good writers are able to do that. And I think Garth does that very well as well. Just bring it back to that. But uh, I don't listen. By I pinch myself. I'm I'm getting goosebumps here now. You to, you talking about that episode and what it meant to you. There you go. Oh, it's That's it's wonderful done. that Brilliant. last episode. I mean, you have to watch the whole series. I think to get the last episode but the last episode is just such a beautiful moment of television you know from the opening dance number right the way through um all are walking through Derry dancing oh yeah it's just yeah it's fantastic yeah it's brilliant and yeah yeah you've and you've lived with those girls and you've you know you've gone through it all with them over three series and yeah it's class And, and people say to me why do you think it's it works outside of Ireland even so I know a lot of People watch it with with subtitles on, fair enough. But um, I I, I think it's because mostly we all went to school, you know, and the 90s is a great setting and the the soundtrack is magic, you know. So all those those elements and those brilliant characters, you know, uh, yeah. And then then to be able to say something really profound with that on top of it, the business. Fantastic. You know, lucky. Yeah, like I say, I'm just super, super lucky, yeah. So Bridgerton's a great show, but uh, Derry Girls is mm. next level. It is just fantastic. There are a few shows yeah. that have hit me so emotionally in the last few years. Um, yeah, wonderful stuff, Jamie. And, of course, you're in Budapest at the moment. You've been rehearsing. Um, we can't say too much about it, but you can tell us you're on a project at the moment, aren't you? I am, yeah, yeah. I'm back on uh, Halo. Uh, so based on the, 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 the big game, you know, the big Xbox game, um, I worked a bit on season one. And if they have me back for season two, and uh, in season one I played a ten foot alien with four jaws <laughs> and uh, speaking an alien language, and I can't I can't say too much uh, about what I'm doing on uh, season two, but I, I, I'm back over here now on it, and and it's it, it, look it's great fun. Oh my god! And um, season one anyway, like I was uh, in the like you know, the suit with all the dots on and stuff like that. It was, it was a motion capture performance, which at the time I'd never done before. And, ah, man, you, you know, I dress up for a living, like, you know what I mean? How, how bad? Um, it's, 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 yeah, like I say, really lucky. This is nice as well because it ups me geek cred a bit as well, 
like saying I'm working on a on a big sci-fi show. So uh, like I go on set and they built a spaceship, man. It's crazy, you know. And it's not, you know, and it's it's not cosplay anymore. Suddenly, you know, these guys are walking in, and this is, you know, super accurate. Although I have to say, I go, to, I go, I've seen cons and seen pictures, and some of those costumes that cosplayers they are, are so amazing as well. Anyway, you know what I mean? They're just super professional, but uh, to be, you know. Uh, to be able to pay me rent by doing this is yeah 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 it doesn't make any sense but feck if i'll go for it like you know <laughs> you're almost i mean you can imagine back to the young jamie reading judge dread and you're almost in one of the off world future worlds of uh 2000 ad in a way i mean i know it's a separate property but yeah there you are doing the science fiction no, show, yeah, yeah yeah it, no it, it, it definitely it definitely is that because like you know they're all they're all you know um science fiction soldiers and and aliens and stuff like that it's exactly what we all grow up on like reading it and and yeah i i i'm in there going oh god like <laughs> yeah the 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 13 year old jamie is kind of slack jawed looking at okay wow right this is this is possible fantastic stuff jamie well we look forward to season two of halo and uh all your other future projects and hopefully coming back on the book club at some point in the future to tell us what else you've been up to uh and great fun talking about emerald isle oh no it was great thanks a million for having me on again Eamon. i love the podcast as always so it's, it's great to chat about stuff you love isn't it it is absolutely and hopefully we'll get to chat a little bit and maybe have a pint of guinness at uh, lawless in may I'm buying. Absolutely. I tell you what, we, we'll do a we, we'll do a picture in front of the Steve Dillon cover with a with a point of Guinness each, and uh, um, <laughs> that'll, that'll 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 be as close. We'll get to the Grail page, eh? <laughs> okay. Fantastic stuff. So, thank you to Jamie for giving up his uh, afternoon after a busy morning rehearsing in Budapest. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the links, uh, including links to Jamie's work at megacitybookclub.com. Uh, follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums, and now on Mastodon. Um, and get in touch with me by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got a Garth Ennis or a Steve Dillon or any other book that you want to come on the podcast and talk about. Uh, and that'll do us, Jamie. Until next time on Mega City Book Club, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and from Budapest. Goodbye from me. Take care, guys. Wow. <laughs>